First off, welcome in. My name is Rob Moreno. This is a Better Mind podcast where we get to know the people behind the bets. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at TheRobbio. Join me there, but first join me here as we get to know sports bettors and what goes on in their mind. Because if there's a group of people you can describe as probably completely crazy for what they do, but also completely focused and disciplined at mastering their craft, it's a sports better. And the first one I'm having on is Kelly Bidlin. He joins us from VSIN, DraftKings Network. He's on numerous shows as a senior producer, a host, a numbers game, long shots, hardwood handicappers. He's unstoppable, but man, he's one of the funnest guys to get to know, and you can find him on Twitter as well, at Kelly Bidlin. I'll put links to everything in the description, but join me here on the first episode of A Better Mind as we get to know Kelly Bidlin, episode one, Fast and Furious. Let's get it going. Ladies and gentlemen, Kelly Bidlin, thank you so much for being here, man. Thank you for doing the first ever episode of A Better Mind. For the great Rob Moreno, anything. Are you kidding me? Happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thank you. You know, when I was first piecing this whole idea together, you know, I've got a list of people I want to hopefully have on at some point. But, you know, I thought of like, okay, who's just the genuinely most genuine good guy, nicest person, one of the funniest people I've gotten to work with. And, you know, that person was busy, so I went to you next on the list. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're, you're uh, I was working say, with genuinely you. good guy. Wow, that's a stretch. <laughs> No, working with you has been a blast. I'll go decent guy anytime. <laughs> yeah, decent guy. So I went for decent since the most genuine good guy. Um, I went with decent, but uh, no, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, Wes Reynolds wasn't available. Got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Wes Reynolds yeah, was busy. Yeah, yeah. So I had to go to the next guy. I needed more beard and just full on. <laughs> needed something to fill this clean face out. So, yeah, right. but uh, no, thank you so much for doing this, man. And uh, you know, I'm gonna rewind the clock first, like right off the bat. Let's start with the basics, man. Uh, you know. We get to live in Las Vegas, the gambling capital of the world, uh, sports betting hub, but no one's from here. If you've ever been in Las Vegas, no one lives here. No one actually mm-hmm. genuinely is from here. Uh, so where are you from? You and I have a Florida connection, but you've been in some crazy places. Yeah, we do. I, I, I have, uh, Vegas is perfect for me in that, in, in that, uh, from that perspective, uh, Rob, because I'm never, I've moved around a lot, and in any places that I've even had roots in, I would say, is just full of people that are not from there anyway. So, yeah, I, it, I, Vegas is perfect from that perspective. But, um, uh, yeah, so I came out to Vegas um, six years ago, I guess, at this point. Yeah, just about six years ago. Uh, six years ago at this point was in South Florida for a long time before that. Um, I'll go even further back, though. My father worked for Arco Oil when I was growing up, so we moved around a lot. Uh, whenever there, wherever there was oil uh, in the world is where usually where we were at. I was born in <laughs> Dallas. Uh, we moved to Anchorage, Alaska when I was like two months old. Uh, we lived there for like, I don't know, three or four years, something like that. Um, then we were in LA for four years around there. So when I was about eight, nine years old, then, um, I got the, the great, fantastic news that I was going to be pulled out of uh, elementary school, uh, in California and we were moving to Moscow, Russia, uh, that cause, uh, my dad had gotten a job over there. So yeah, you know, you just know your normal, ch- uh, childhood experience. Oh yeah. Um, no, no, so that, no change of pace there for a kid. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh mid nineties, you know, just Soviet union had fallen mid early mid nineties. Um, so did you have anything to do fallen. with the fall of, no, nah, I'm just not, not no. personally. I, my family can't take full credit for that. We really, we really, <laughs> as much as we wish we could, we can't take full credit. Um, so yeah, we moved over there. We lived in Moscow for, uh, it was about three full years. I think just shy of, uh, three years we lived over there. Um, and then it was to Caracas, Venezuela, where I lasted for an entire 11 months. Um, and that was kind of when, uh, you know, a couple things happened at the same time. That was, uh, BP, British Petroleum, was buying out Arco Oil. Um, and at the same time, there was some, uh, you know, political revolutions going on in Venezuela. Uh, and uh, and if, I, if memory serves correct, exactly when Chavez was being elected, there was like a hurricane that hit or something. So there was riots in the protests, riots in the streets, along with all these terrible, terrible land, uh, landslides and mudslides that were going on because of the weather. Um, and Chavez was going to naturalize all the oil uh, 
all the oil exports and everything. So uh, it was the only time, despite having lived in, in, in Moscow for three years, it was it, it is the only time that I got to be force, uh, forcibly evacuated uh, fr- from a country in my life. So that was an experience. Uh, I, I think we ended up on some like some like Enron execs, like private jet or something like that, straight to Miami oh, wow. from Caracas. And it was like, I, you, you know, there's terrible things happening in Caracas, Venezuela. And I'm pretty sure all, all I could think of is like a 12 year old or whatever I was. I think it was about 12 years old at that time. I was like, man, this is the life right here. Private jet status. Like, how do we get to that? Like, come on. Um, so yeah, we, uh, it kind of all happened at once. I think, you know, for my father, it was, it was uh, my father and my family. I've got a young, older sister, younger brother. It was the right time to get back to the States, I think, for everybody's kind of schooling and all that kind of stuff. And uh, my dad was kind of also eager to, uh, you know, kind of leave, leave a, a business behind and kind of start some of his own, uh, own. So we settled down in South Florida. We didn't, we had some family roots kind of in wet you know west florida over in naples where where we did have some family but um i don't i guess to this day i don't really know specifically why we chose like the south florida area to uh to move from uh venezuela and uh, but uh yeah we lived it was probably there just uh, close that's usually what yeah, well, everyone, yeah it was close from uh, being yeah, in miami for myself that's usually why everyone ended up right there. <laughs> Yeah, checks a lot of boxes. It was close, you know. It was close, uh, you know. No state income tax, all that good stuff, right? Like, uh, you know, all the things everybody likes about Florida. Weather's pretty good, yeah. Um, so yeah, I ended up there. That was so. What did I, I had like one year of middle school to finish up? Yeah, one year of middle school to finish up. Then went to high school uh, down in South Florida area um, in Boca Raton. I went to high school, and then it was college. Um, you know, I didn't really, I, at that point I was like, okay, like South Florida was great. Like made a lot of great friends like it here. Don't know if I'll ever see it again. Uh, went to Florida state university, uh, lasted a, a, a short five years there. Um, you know, you got to milk that for every, every uh, minute you can. Uh, oh, but, uh, I milked yeah, my college before, career for a long time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I was there for, I think it was a solid five years, um, <laughs> before it was all said and done. But the, uh, did Florida State um, w- was doing uh, ju- you know some journalism classes there, sports management. I was a dual major in journalism, sports management, um, and you know spent the first couple years of college partying, and then the last like couple years trying to recover and figure out what I was actually going to do for a living. Um, and that, that was kind of at the time when I started. Uh, yeah, all I knew is I, I I liked sports. I loved sports. What could I do with it? And and I was decent at writing, so I thought I could write about sports and really kind of fell in love with that hard. And once I kind of found that passion, it really set uh, set my you know my, set my hopes and dreams kind of in that course. Um, so when I got out of college, was looking for a place to write a newspaper to get going at, and uh, the place the first job offer that I got or accepted. Uh, was uh, right for the Palm Beach Post, right back down in West Palm Beach, where I had just been for uh, much of my much of my high school. And my, you know, my mom was Heck still yeah. living down there, so it worked out well. I ended up back down there, and it was newspaper, radio, TV, um, kind of all fell in line after that. But that's the that's the long backstory for you. There you go. Hey, love it. The Bidlin background. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not a short one. I, fortunately, you get <laughs> well, that. I think you get that question to a lot of other people. They'll wrap it up in a minute and a half. For me, it, yeah, it's, it's like, like I was born here, yeah. grew up here, went to school. <laughs> here I am. That's most people. But no, I love it because, I mean, not a lot of, I mean, especially not Americans get to experience like that other country experience of like just coming back to the States and experiencing what it's like to be somewhere else and then realize what you got here so that's pretty cool oh, and it so, makes you and it, appreciate a, a lot of things in the united states that's for sure toilet oh, paper probably number one yeah toilet paper like just <laughs> drinking water i mean i lived in mexico yeah, exactly, for years yeah. the old saying exactly. don't drink the water i mean when i moved to the states and i was like i could just drink any water i want <laughs> <laughs> even this sink even this yeah. sink <laughs> <laughs> but that's oh, awesome man. and i love that you were already on the path to sports right like you already had that itch yeah and so when did the you know when when did the problem have start when did the sports betting start in your in your history oh man i mean that's like i mean i was i mean betting wise i, I always like to blame my grandmother for this uh my bopshi my bopshi my polish grandmother on my father's oh, side bopshi my father got you up, hooked yeah yeah my father grew up in this real real small town uh in pennsylvania outside of allentown it was an old coal mining town 
Uh, and these days, it's 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 kind of depressingly small and sad, and you know, people people you know have been generations without jobs basically at this point. Yeah. Um, but the uh, we used to go there. We would go there uh, to my, uh, to my grandma's place. You know, in between summers when we lived overseas all the time, it's kind of where we'd, we'd always come back to the States like once a summer and we'd spend a lot of time there. And my bop, she was obsessed with some good with some good bingo. And it was one of those oh, yes. things where, she, you know, she was an old curmudgeonly lady that I don't think I really got along with much, except for we went, we went to the bingo hall. I loved oh. going to play some bingo. I bingo and buying scratchers with Bopsy. That was the uh, <laughs> that might have been the first time that the needle got in my arm, whether anybody knows it or not. But uh, <laughs> uh, that was uh, that that probably started. But then you know my my dad my dad ran a uh, a football you know just a pick 'em football pool very similar to what I uh, um uh you know what they're doing with Circa Millions every week we would pick I'm trying to think how it started off um I think it was pick your favorite i think at first it was pick every side ats every single week and uh and then we, it got trimmed down to i think at the end of the end of the by the end of its run we were doing exactly what circa millions does and it was pick five every single week uh your favorite oh, awesome. five and i it was a pool my dad I, I my dad probably started this thing when i was you know 12 13 years old i was always involved in it so i i mean even you know way before that i knew what a point spread was and all, and all that yeah. kind of stuff it was always it was always a part i think of the a part of it for my dad, who is is very mathematical driven, was it was very uh, you know science and math driven throughout his entire life. Was always fascinated by the betting side of it, but never really got you know really got involved with it because you know he's smarter than most people uh, <laughs> and avoided sinking his hard earned dollars into some of yep. it. So I think it was one of those things I kind of grew up like knowing that side of it, just learning from him, and you know carried over. Uh, you know, first into the kind of these football just pools we would do and everybody would, I don't know, at first it probably was tossed 10 bucks in and it was a hundred bucks. And I mean, I think the last time I played in the thing, I was probably about 29 years old and it had, it had gotten to like, gotten up to like, I don't even know, a few hundred people. And it was, it was insane. It felt like it was about as difficult a, a, uh, to win anything in as it is uh, in Circle Millions where you're like, cool, I went 64%. Oh, that doesn't mean anything? Great, cool. Not good Had enough. a good time. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, I would say that was, that was kind of it. Um, and then I was, you know, in high school, high school had started betting, um, it, you know, betting on sports. I'm trying to think what I was betting regularly then though probably nfl nba um is probably what I, nfl college football nba would have been the three uh that i spent the most time with at the beginning but really later into high school when i was you know kind of junior sophomore junior i was you know that was right around you know that was early 2000s so it was really around the poker boom i was playing a ton of poker at that point um living in card rooms underage I, you know it, it was <laughs> Beautiful South Florida's great for that. Shout out Coconut Creek Casino. Yeah. <laughs> how many? I don't know how how many times I played in your casino. Way underage, but it <laughs> happened. Um, the uh, but yeah, I was playing a ton of poker back then, and that was really um, yeah. I would say I was far more serious about poker for several years before I really transitioned more more of what I was betting and the more time I was spending into sports betting. That that probably. That probably happened more in my latter years of college. Even college was playing a ton of poker throughout most of college. I would say towards the end of college, you know, going back to my background story, when I actually started <laughs> to focus more on school uh, and didn't have time to spend seven hours a day in a card room or playing poker yeah. with people uh, online, I think that's when I started to transition away from poker a little bit more. Um, you know, was doing more stuff just work-wise, uh, and, and then was, it started to focus way more on sports betting at that time. And that, that was when I really, really had gotten serious at it. I, I would say that for, you know, for the, you know, maybe one of your next questions, but it was what, it was the transition from poker and having some success, you know, a fair amount of success there early transitioning to playing poker to sports betting was probably the first time I really realized truly realized the importance of bankroll management. And that was, yeah. um, that was not an easy transition. Definitely took me like, I, it was, I was a losing sports better. Like a lot of people were when they first started, I thought it was, 
you know, the amount of money that you're putting into poker was kind of, I instantly translated the same over to what I was doing in sports betting and ended up betting, was betting way too much at the beginning, yeah. way, you know, way beyond what I should have been, uh, you know, you know, betting in the beginning. So, um, you know, I think that was early on. I was a, a, at least a, er, luckily, lucky, I guess, early on to learn the true value of bankroll management and how, the, how important that is for new bettors to get going in sports betting. Yeah, that was that was actually something I was going to ask. Is what point did it reach? Kind of that difference of hobby versus oh, this is something I understand more than most people, right? Especially going yeah. back. I mean, still today, you can tell the difference between people who just bet and then betters. And yeah. I think, but back then, I mean, you're talking two different worlds. I mean, like you said, they're dark poker rooms with underage children, obviously, and you know, <laughs> but, you, but there's a difference with understanding betting and so that was actually going to be my next question like you know what what kind of started rolling in your head which made you realize that you know what i think i understand this more than just the average joe yeah i think it was uh um that's a great question i you know i think at that point it was just the amount of gambling and i think at that point it, you know, it was under, it was, it was a lot of translating the math that you were learning in poker. Okay. And realizing how important that was and how do I translate to this, to what I'm doing sports betting? I know, I know some of it fits some places, some of it doesn't. Um, but you know, I think even just the, I, I do think sports betters always with the poker background. And I know I taught, I just talked about bankroll management, learning the importance of that, but it, it is also realizing, I think people with a poker background also know, when to push, when to go all in and when to push the chips in the middle. I don't really want to say all in. I'm never going all in with my bankroll, but right, uh, yeah. I, I think the importance of, it took me a couple of years. I'll put it this way, Rob. Like, it took me a couple of years of, yeah, yes, a couple of years of probably learning what I was doing, little specific things of what I was maybe doing right and wrong, um, you know, in spe- uh, with specific sports betting things. Let's take a, maybe a Wong, a Wong teaser, for example, of making sure I'm teasing NFL through key numbers and stuff like that. And not just, uh, you know, I don't know, not just taking a nine point spread up through 15 or something. And right. think I'm getting through, through key numbers of 10 and 14 and realizing how unkey, you know, those numbers are. And that's where that math kind of comes into play. You start to learn and realize those things more. Um, you know, then you, and then you're learning how to, you know, maintain your your bankroll a little bit better realize when true opportunities present themselves that you should be betting heavier on i think there was a couple years where that was kind of a learning a learning process for me and then also um i mean look i think sports betting almost like anything you never stop learning with or you shouldn't if you do you're probably gonna you're probably gonna stall out um so you know and then i think you know i think at the beginning it was me probably betting it was betting too many sports and and it's very easy you know, to your question, very easy to get overconfident in what you're doing too. Oh, I can bet college football. I can bet NFL, bet NBA, college basketball, golf. All of this is going to work out just fine. And you stretch yourself too, too thin, at least in my opinion, especially when you're trying to work as, you know, work as much as I was. Um, you know, I think that's something that, you know, it was probably around the ages of 20, 23 to 25 was kind of figuring that out. And, you know, from ages 25 to now, so the past dozen years, I think even more every year, it's been, okay, reassessment of which sport do I need to focus more of my time in? Which sport is it worth it to focus more of my time in? Um, you know, which sports, which sports have I tried to battle year in and year out? And it's a mixed bag of results and it's just not w- worth my time at age 37 anymore. I think that's, uh, you know, there's plenty of sports that have fallen by the wayside just because of that. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I don't think there's a great answer. I think you always want to tell new new betters that, hey, whatever you know best is what you should be focusing on. Um, but you're going to learn through along the ways, especially if you're open and you're knowledgeable about multiple sports, you're going to learn along the ways you might be better suited betting one sport versus another. Totally. I think that's what been one of my learning journeys over the last few years is like, I can't focus on too many sports. Like you want to, of course, but I think narrowing it down to one has been a huge change in my betting. You know, I've, I've Bobby been Knuckles, baby. Bobby Knuckles, baby. I've been betting only UFC for like about a year now, and it's been way better than when I was, yeah. like you put it, spreading myself thin, trying to learn this, learn that, figure that out. Next thing you know, like you said, your bankroll is upside down. You're like, I, am I this bad at it? <laughs> but right, probably yeah. not. Um, yeah, and I also, think, I also think there's a difference too between like, 
yeah, you know, I mean, yes, you need to get your bankroll to a certain level, but it's, I think some people, like some people will ask me, like, do you really only bet like NFL, golf and NBA? And I'm like, no, like, no, but like, will I throw fun money bets on, you know, on big college football games or something like that? Yeah, of course. Uh, just like almost anybody else. Yes, I will. But you have to, you always have to account for that, right? If you're going to, whatever bankroll kind of management system you're using, you, you, you know, make sure you're putting aside some fun money into that too, that you know, you're going to bet on stupid things. And for me, that's, usually college football, UFC, like things that I'm not as knowledgeable about as some yeah. other people, but I love to bet. I love to get action on when, when those events are going on. Right. Totally. I mean, we have the Super Bowl coming up shortly. It's like week to week. I was not betting the NFL. Am I going to bet the Super Bowl? Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> of, of course. But it's so, America. Yeah, it's America. It's the American thing to do. Um, and now you're in it. You know, now you're working in the sports betting industry, right? You're, you're a senior producer. You're a host. You talk sports betting for a living. You know, what's, what's that been like now? Like realizing that all that, you know, bad habits, things that probably most people were probably like shaking their head at that you were doing um, and getting into is now your career. You know, and especially with sports betting crossing into mainstream, uh, it's pretty much in every household. Uh, you know, yeah. what's that been like you getting into the, into the industry and growing with it? Yeah, I mean, for for my life and lifestyle, it's been freaking fantastic. That's for sure. Because <laughs> I mean, before I moved out here uh, and accepted a job with Veasan uh, and the great Musburger family, I mean, I was doing for years back in West Palm Beach was doing um, a daily radio show Monday through Friday. I was co-hosting a daily sports talk radio show from noon to two, uh, and then would head head over to the local NBC. Uh, TV station where I was the executive producer for all the sports uh, sports that we were doing on both the local NBC and Fox affiliates. Um, and then after the local news would wrap up at 1130, I'd be having, heading over to the Palm Beach Kennel Club to spend about five hours playing poker. And it was, uh, <laughs> you know, that and then handicapping sports and finding time to do that. So it was always, okay, there's my job in sports and then there's my recreational activity in sports, which is betting. And um, you know, that's where it always made a lot of, I, I was, I, I felt like I was one of those people that, uh, was ahead of the bubble a bit and was like, yo, this is going to become a thing. Like people are going to be yeah. talking about this. Uh, you know, at that point, you know, whether it gets legalized in a year or in 10 years, I didn't really think it mattered. And I, I think that, uh, you know, the Musburgers and you and I both work for VEASAN. They started VEASAN. I think even they, I think they even felt the same way. I, I, I mean, it was way ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yes, yes, and yes, they thought PASPA would be overturned and that they would have legalized gambling and that would help boom things. I don't think they cared either way, though. If it was going to take another year, another two years, they realized there was still an audience for people that wanted to listen and to watch shows about sports betting. And that was 100%. that's where I had gotten to in my, in my career, too. It was... I had done as much as I wanted to in sports talk and, and uh, lo you know, in regular sports television and stuff like that. And it was... Um, it, you know, it hit a point where I knew that I knew that if I wasn't as interested in the content that I was delivering on a daily basis, that I wasn't going to be putting out the best work possible that I could put out. And that was not a good feeling. It was an unsettling feeling. And it was always something that wanted to get some, some, uh, into a position again, cause I had been there before, but wanted to get into a position again where I could put truly pour my passion into what I was doing, you know, a hundred percent of the time and uh, into the work that I was doing all the time. And I would say that started for me, uh, you know, early on in my career and then kind of plateaued. And it was really once I could, we were able to start doing some sports betting and only sports betting content where that really started to spike again. So I was, um, you know, for breaking news out there for anybody in sports media, you don't make a lot of money when you start. And that was yeah. one of those where you got to love it. And if you don't love it, it you, you should get out of it. Cause there's, there's other, other better paying jobs out there. Um, and it was tough for me. I think when it, when I did hit that plateau of like, okay, I'm not exactly loving what I'm doing every single day anymore. And I'm still working a lot of hours and it's really, you know, that's really wearing on me and a work life balance is tough to establish. Um, you know, the betting doesn't help with that either, but, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, you know, being able to transition it into basically, basically combining what I was doing on a day-to-day -day basis for work. And then also my extracurricular activities of betting into one thing, 
I, you know, was perfect for me because it was able to, you know, it, it re-energized me into the work that I was doing. Passion was back into the work I was doing. And yeah, and then you're, you're, while you're working, you're learning and kind of building up, you know, build, you're learning and, and handicapping and doing all those types of things that go into your sports betting life too, uh, along the way. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's merging that passion and your job and finding out that they can work together. And it's a beautiful thing. Yep. <laughs> um, and so you mentioned, you know, you, you, you used to bet everything, but now you've narrowed it in and you cover, you, you'll talk about, you'll cover nearly any sport, but when it comes to your specific lanes of betting, you're focused on the NBA and golf primarily, correct? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, how, how'd you find out that those were your strengths in betting and you realized like, yeah, Oh, you know what, um... this is what I'm going to attack. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I would say that both both go back a long way for me. Uh, my golf betting has completely changed. I think that NBA was NBA was always a sport that I knew really well, followed very closely. Um, I think it was always, uh, you know, I don't want to say one of the best, but one one of one of the sports that was on the forefronts of, of, of analytics and, and advanced stats and stuff like that, and all of that uh, makes handicapping the sport a lot easier. Um, it was, you know, I would, I would say, and you know, not any of the books that we currently deal with now, but you know, back in the day it was, it was when live betting was really first starting to spread to, um, and the realization for me of how, how big that could be betting basketball, basketball in general, but NBA specifically. Um, so I, you know, my NBA betting is really how I do it day to day hasn't changed a ton in, in, you know. 12, 14 years. Uh, well, That's impressive. Shoot, longer than that. 15 years. <laughs> uh, you know, again, I think you're always looking to learn and look at different things. And that's, yes, it's it's been that, but I think it's been a lot of small kind of changes um, that I've made over the past, you know, 15 years probably about, you know, of, of pretty heavily betting NBA. Um, so that's... Uh, that's been that was NBA golf was different and I think again this it's also been the changing of the sports books in the world right this was yeah. you know NBA NBA was really one of the big things that really got me heavily involved in it daily was the live betting factor there was live betting had become more readily available um you know on offshore books and was something that you could really capitalize on um and then there was uh, golf, golf was golf always fascinated me from a betting standpoint, especially a live betting standpoint when live betting first started. And, and you know, we're sitting here 15 years later. I still think golf is the sport that will be the biggest boom from more live betting options and stuff. And we've started to see those um, from companies like DraftKings and others. Um, we've started to see great options for those, uh, and I think there's even more room for, to, to grow there. But there was, you know, when that really had opened up, it was. I wasn't betting golf nearly as much, but realized the value that could be had in live betting it. Um, and really just even on a final Sunday of, of, of chasing, buying on and off numbers. And, uh, you know, it was an old offshore shop that, you know, you always post yes, no lines live on every single golfer. And it was very easy to, not very easy, but it, it was often easy to be able to get it yourself into arbitrage situations where you were locking in profit, you know, as a tournament played out down the stretch. And, um, you know, for me back in those days, not like it was big, but you know, when you're, I think no matter, no matter how much money you're betting, when you first realize that there's opportunities to arbitrage things, you're like, oh, it's free money. Like it's free yeah. money. I don't care what it is, but it's free. You just got to do it right. Um, so that was, that was kind of how my, my golf betting had first started. And it was, I don't think it was anything I had ever taken nearly as seriously, uh, uh, you know, compared to some of the other sports like NFL, NBA, that I was spending way more time handicapping. Uh, I would say it was just always something I enjoyed live betting, enjoyed being able to watch and stuff like that. Um, and, and that's really changed. I, in the past few years, um, just using way more, I mean, this goes back probably three, four, five years now, but really using way, leaning way more heavily um, on some, again, some of the, the statistical stuff that the PGA tour just even, even provides the yeah. shot link data that we're able to get, um, strokes gain data that you're able to get and stats that you're able to get, um, that really, really benefits betters. And that, you know, probably a few years ago, three, four years ago, um, you know, Matt Brown helped turn me on to some of this stuff as well, but just, you know, creating, 
using some of the sites that are out there, some of the stat farm sites that are out there to be able to really kind of create your own statistical models for every tournament and what you really want to look at. So that I, that's really what my golf betting's turned into. It's a weekly, uh, it is a weekly handicap of what the course is, what the tournament field is, um, you know what statistics, what stats do I th- feel like are going to be able to uh, be the most important to attack the course that week. It's compiling all those stats into a model, um, you know, running the model, see what it spits out, compare it to, you know, kind of notes I've got on golfers from, you know, past, past tournaments at that course uh, to their recent form, how they've been doing there. And then you're, uh, you know, picking, choosing and filling out your betting card. And, um, you know, I would say the other big, you know, other massive thing for success in golf betting over the past few, you know, few years I brought up live betting from a while ago. Yes, that's still a very, very beneficial, but the addition of markets like top 20s and top 30s and top 40s uh, finishing position markets have been huge. Tournament matchups, more more options to choose from in the tournament matchups, that's been huge. We talk about it uh, on our golf podcast, Long Shots, that you can find anywhere uh, podcasts. Greatest golf found. betting podcasts. Ever, I think. As Brady Cannon once said, yes. I don't know if that still holds true, but hopefully people <laughs> think of it that way. Uh, the, uh, um, but yeah, the, the, you know, we talk about this often where it's, you know, hitting an outright in golf betting is fantastic. There's not, there are not many better feelings in the world than hitting an 80 to one shot uh, outright ticket. That, that's great. You're not going to win a ton of those, Rob. Breaking news, though. You're not going to win a ton oh, of those, and what? it's a good way to lose a lot, lose money fast if you just bet outrights every single week. Um, so that's where we really try to encourage people that you know, really betting those top twenty markets, those matchups. Those are the way that you build and are able to maintain your bankroll until you do hit that nice outright that really, you know, really, uh, you know, puts an influx of cash in, into your current golf bankroll. So, um, it, you know, stuff like that, that's how my golf betting's really changed has really been relying more on statistical models and stuff like that, that I'm build, building for myself, uh, for every single tournament. Yeah. So piggybacking on that, let me jump in there is, you know, I think especially there's so many new betters. You know, of course, there's people that think you just look at the board, throw a dart, and that's what you're doing. But as a better, it's, I mean, what you just described is a grind, right? Like, and yeah. that's, I mean, that's week to week. So, like, how do you stay disciplined in that? You know, how do you stay disciplined that, okay, I got to I gotta pull data. Um, I got to pull statistics. I got to input this data. I got to run this model. Um and then on top of that, you know, going with your MB, what you talked about the NBA, where you haven't really changed too much, you know, how to stay disciplined in your specific sports without ever getting too impulsive actions. You know, I mean, I think especially with the down, right, there's obviously, like you mentioned, you're not going to win all the time. So yeah. shock. But with the downs, like, you know, how do you manage all that? How do you manage your, your mind around the stress of that sweat on a Sunday watching your golfer just, you know, Hey, I've been in the room with you when you're watching golf and you're shouting at the TV going like, I bet money on this shit, you know, (laughs) it's like, but it's like, you know, those are small moments, but it's like reining it back and being like, okay, I put my belief into what I understand and what I know, you know, how do you stay disciplined to attack your bets week to week? Yeah, I think the, it's a great question. I think that the, um, Okay, look, I'm gonna. I'll try to address these one on one. I think the pro your process is really important. I think that's really important, and that's at least that's what I believe personally. I, I think this is where betters vary. Um, but the you know, like I just talked about my golf models and us us building different stat models. There are um, you know, like there is one one site, Fancy National, that I've used for I don't know five six years now. Yeah, it's probably about five years. Uh, where where that that's kind of where I'll build some of my smaller golf models, at, and it's kind of where my first first look at will be for what stats do I want for each course. So you would think that okay, if you do it once, you do it in twenty twenty one. Let's say we'll just pull a random year. 2021 Pebble Beach. Okay, you hit the winner and you had one you had another outright and finished top 5. Everything that you punched into that model's freaking perfect. Like clearly it's working well. It, it, it resulted in a winner. You should keep this model and run it every single year they go back to Pebble Beach cuz they're going to go there every year. I'm a believer in every year that it comes around, I want to do my same process over again. Rescout the course Make sure, because there are small changes every year, but it's re-scout the course, re-go you know, over what you would do without looking at anything that I've done before. 
go write down, you know, make my notes on the course. What do I think I need to factor in the model this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'll go and compare it to past models and see how those did and maybe tweak things from there. But I think that there is a, especially once you start getting into, you know, many different people have different models for different sports. But I think once you get into, this is my personal belief, I don't know, I know everybody doesn't feel this way. I think people can get lazy, though, and you can get shocked by results if you're just plugging stuff into a model, hitting enter, and see what it spits out and betting accordingly to that. I think that there, there's more nuance into to that. Um, I like redoing it every single year and looking. Then I know I am so familiar with what the course is like this year, what the crop of players is like this year. Okay, and then I can go compare it to past things where I've maybe been successful and maybe I want to tweak things a little bit. But I think... Sticking to that process has always been very important to me, and it keeps me, uh, you know, regimented throughout a week as well. And then I think, you know, NBA, it's the same type of thing for me. It's always, uh, as soon as overnight lines come out, um, I'm looking at those immediately, comparing them to, you know, a bunch of different uh, important stats that I'll look at, numbers, uh, uh, you know, and where teams rank it in different areas. Um, you know, offensively, defensively, what matchups are going to be like, all that kind of stuff. And I kind of have my own numbers in my head. And, okay, what is the opener going to be like? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And you're always looking to, you know, you'll hear the term closing line value thrown around, uh, around a lot. That's We're always trying to get that in every sport. Um, does it matter as much in the NBA as others? No, it doesn't. Um, but, you know, still on those opening lines is where I'll make – Probably half my bets, I would say, usually in the NBA, okay. maybe a little bit less is kind of the night before and, and night before and whenever those openers come out, try to get in front of where I think blind moves are going to happen. And, you know, once you've been doing that for years and years and years, um, you know, you're usually getting ahead of the ahead of the move the right way you know, 90% of the time. So you're already kind of getting, you know, that closing line value built in. Now, these days in the NBA, there's a lot of injuries to monitor and stuff like that. So there's certain games you just can't, you know, can't attack that way the night before. Um, and you've got to kind of, you got to kind of wait on um, till the next day. And, and, and then, the, and then that's just a, it's a, it's a Twitter game. It's, I can out Twitter the books, right? You know, can I yeah, have, totally. Um, you know, can I have my tweet deck set up with all my different lists of sports that I follow and catch, you know, the 76ers beat writer that just reports Joel and beads out. Can I see that make a bet on whoever they're, you know, on the, their opponent that night before the sports book moves the line, you know, that's another way where I'm trying to beat closing line value. And that is, um, another huge chunk of my NBA betting. And then it's basically just my live betting. Um, you know, and then to answer your question of how do you handle the swings, it's, it's something that I think that. Uh, poker players are probably people that have poker in their DNA, I think are a little better suited to handle, um, than regular sports betters. I think that there's a lot of us that have played a ton of poker over the years that, that kind of chuckle when we hear the word bad beat thrown around in sports betting. Cause it's, uh, sometimes you see it, don't get me wrong. There's bad beats that happen all the time in sports betting, yeah, but there are, you can sit at a poker table for a five hour session and see 20 bad beats happen that, you know, sports betters would lose their minds over. So it's, <laughs> it kind of gets you used to that. You get used to taking the bad hits that I think can negatively affect a lot of people mentally and make them want to chase, make them want to do, uh, you know, some bad things when it comes, when it comes to betting, uh, maybe better, you know, bet out of their means a little beyond their means a little bit. Um, I, I think that's a lot of that. So I, I think that the, Doing it, you know, almost every single with the NBA, doing it almost every every single day, doing it with golf almost every single week. Uh, it, it's you know that the good, the good times are going to come, the bad times are going to come, and you got to be able to fight your way through it. Um, I also think that's also what separates, um, you, you know, separates people like me from the actual true professionals out there because it is the at the end of the day, I got a full time job and a full time salary that you know that I can sure, still yeah. rely on. Um, I think it's a whole nother level when you start talking about, okay, I don't have, I, I, you know, some of these guys that do this professionally that, okay, it's the only, one of the very few jobs in the world you can go to every day and actually lose money at, not even talk yeah. about, you know, not making any money while you're working all day, but you could lose yeah, money uh, while you go to work. I think it's, you know, I, that's the idea that I've never, I, I think when I was younger, I think there was part of me that whether it was poker or sports betting was, yeah, like one of these days I'm going to do that professionally. And, 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 and nowadays I don't even want, I, I like the, no, you know, sounds... what you're talking about Rob of the stress of, of comes with, I don't know how these guys manage the swings i mean you're talking about 
okay, if you're going to hit 56% to clear a VIG and actually make money in this, okay, if you want to make 100K a year and you're that confident in your sports betting, I mean, that if you're hitting that at 55%, that means that you're probably betting, you know, around $200,000 a year <laughs> in cash. And it's just to have that amount of money, you know, okay, I got to make 100000 how much am I betting on every game? It means you're betting a lot of money on every game for the usually, or you're betting high volume number of games. And yeah, like those swings are still going to happen. And I can't like that. That's the part that I can't even imagine. I don't even want to (laughs) know what it's like to live a month, three, you know, three weeks of my life where you go in and you'll put in the hours to work and handicap these games. And, you know, it's work for the pros to handicap these games, put hours into that and lose for weeks on a time. I mean, like that would drive me absolutely insane. So that's where I'm always, I would say tip my tip of the cap to those type of guys. Cause I don't even think I could ever do that. Oh, totally. I mean, what they've described at times actually sounds miserable. And they've said it, they've said, you know, it's actually the pro better life is actually not, it's not as correct up as it seems to be. Right. It's just like a yeah. miserable, like, yeah, it is grind. not as sexy as you would think. No, yeah. it's not this sexy lifestyle, you know, Keep the day job is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, exactly. and I think there's those two different kinds of betters, too. There's like the entertainment versus ROI type of mentality. But I think, you know, where where you sit, it's kind of like that middle ground where it's like, OK, this is entertainment overall, but this is also something I want to get better at. No pun intended. It's just it's it's that winning mentality of like, I'm going to perf- uh, not perfect it, but, you know, I'm going to tweak this and I'm going to get better at it. And I, and I, and I want to understand it better and evolve as time goes. Yeah. And, and, and yes, make money at it. I, I, I enjoy adding to my income every of course. year like that. You know, that's, that's <laughs> a nice thing to happen. And I hope it, hope that continues to increase, but yes, it is the, uh, uh, I'm not running to quit my job anytime soon and lay it all on the line. That's for sure. Yeah, I always, no. always like the idea of like, you know, it'd be nice to do that for like a year or two, you know what I mean? And then like, but always know you have a job to fall back on. But, you know, sure. like that's yeah. a paycheck. Th- you know, that, 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 that perfect made up world doesn't exactly exist. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to leave jobs and be like, hey, I'm back. Hey, you guys good? Yeah. You guys good with me just being back? All right, cool. My spot's not filled, right? Like I can still just right. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, you saved my spot, right? All right, cool. Right. I I told you I was coming back. Um, So, if that's your grind, you know, you're a busy guy. You you do podcasts, shows, producing, hosting, betting, multiple sports. Especially right now, we got the full the full grind, right? Basketball's going in full force. Um, Golf is here, uh, and the NFL Mm -hmm. is about to wrap up. But you know, we just finished the full swing of the NFL season. What's outside of sports betting for you? Like, what's what's? How does Kelly relax on a on a day? <laughs> Drink? No, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad it's a bad thing to say, but yeah, probably. I mean, I do think that everybody needs. Uh, I you do need to be able to separate. I, I think I think a work life balance is important. Um, I think that that's where it gets. You know, I talked about the positives of being able to come out here and kind of you know have have my 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 life's converge of the work life of what I was doing work-wise and gambling kind of converge, and that's nice. But yes, now do I feel like 24-7, basically all I'm doing is looking at what the, you know, I'm checking 17 times a day what the updated numbers are on the NBA <laughs> games. Yeah, like, like yeah, that that's it. And it is a, there is a bit of a 24-7 aspect to it. Um, but that's, I, I think it's important for, people to you know when we take vacations or something like that like i don't i won't look at a damn spread for four days five days like make sure to like it's not just unplugging it's unplugging from plugging your brain from that side of it too like i don't i don't need to care what's going on you know whatever sport or whatever i would normally gamble if this is the time of year where i can take some time off whether that you know whether that be around my work schedule betting schedule whatever then that you you need to be able to do that and that's something i think for me has become even more important over the past you know three four five years is really knowing like hey if you're going to take some time to yourself take some time to yourself enjoy it don't be don't be out at dinner or out at people and checking scores on your phone all the damn time you made the bet it's going to come through one way or the other like it's going to be it's going to be a winner or loser but if you carved out the time to actually go go and enjoy yourself for a night uh, go enjoy a good time on the town or whatever, like enjoy that and be in the moment for that. 
Um, and, and, and especially the vacation stuff. That's the biggest one for me. It is it, these days I unplug myself almost completely. It's I don't want to see. I don't really want to hop on Twitter. I, and if I do, it's just for screw around purposes. I don't want to see a damn odd screen, uh, you know, for a few days. And, yeah. you know, if you're in the middle of the NBA season that, you know, that that's tough because I think that is yeah. uh, there are times where I do that. And I really unplug myself for even if it's just, you know, four or five days, Rob, it's when I come back, I feel like I need another, I need a week before I put a bed in where I almost need to. OK, what did I miss with this team, this team, this team, this team and this team? There's been a bunch of little injuries, a bunch of little notes. I need to see this team play with this guy hurt now. I need to see this first before I get invested. So it is kind of sometimes you're just kind of like, wait, 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 why did I unplug like this? It's taking me a week plus to get back in to my regular routine. But I just think for your mental sanity over over time, it is something you have, people have to do. Yeah. And I think that goes with anything, really. Like you could apply that yeah. to any like heavy career at least a career that like you said mm -hmm. like you you start thinking about 24 7 i mean working in sports betting as long as we have i mean i can't any sport comes up i'm curious what's the spread what's mm -hmm. the total you know it's, it's like those things still happen but like you said disconnecting is su su it'll go far for your well-being i mean yeah yeah i think and you said it best when you said you know what the bet's already in you checking the score you you know, check in on Twitter, see how things are moving, isn't going to change the result. So it's like, enjoy the moment you're in, check your account later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, unless you're live betting it, but yeah, if you're live betting it, you should sure, be out of dinner course, anyways. Of Get your ass back to work. And Right, exactly. So no, no, I think that, yeah, that is definitely a big part of it. Um, yeah, there's probably a lot of, a lot of these people, a lot of us that, uh, you know, the bet, bet like we do, the yeah, yeah, work like we do. Hey, we should probably all be seeing therapists, but who the hell has time for that? That's, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what off season? <laughs> uh, exactly, yeah. Well, Kelly, I want to say thank you uh, for being on this. Um, this is where I'm going to allow you to plug anything you want. What, where can everyone find you? Hey, all the great VEASAN stuff and all the great things we do at VEASAN and the DK Network. Got to check that out. A numbers game uh, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon Eastern time for all the Eastern uh, East Coast listeners out there. Um, and then a bunch of regular podcasts right now. Hardwood Handicappers going Monday through Friday with the great Jonathan Von Tobel and Zach Cohen. Uh, we do that daily to get you set to bet every uh, NBA game that night, Monday through Friday. Uh, and who knows, maybe they'll be extended a little bit more going forward. Maybe not. Um, and then Long Shots, our golf betting podcast I do with Matt Brown and with the great Wes Reynolds. We do every single week. You can find that Wednesday mornings uh, wherever you download your podcast. That is Long Shots and Hardwood Handicappers. And uh, always give me a follow on X, Twitter, whatever the hell you call it these days, at <laughs> Kelly Bidlin, K-E-L-L-E-Y-B-Y-D-L-O-N. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, man. Well, I have one last question for you. Um, I, and I know you told me that your favorite movie was The Departed, but I decided to pivot a little bit. Oh, good, I, good, good. Because I hate that question anyways. Like, to, for me, it's, <laughs> for me, it's, I have like, it, I... I there's too many great movies out there for any person to have a favorite movie in my opinion. Totally, like it's totally. almost like I could give you like my favorite comedies like plural. I could give you my favorite action movies plural. I could give you my you know that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm yeah. glad. What would you want to pivot to? I'm glad. So I do we're like take a little pivot. So you and I are both uh, Fast and Furious aficionados. Oh yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so Ooh, uh, you want to go trivia you... with me? Let's go. No, no, no. Well. <laughs> That'll be another. Want to bet on it? Throw down a Benjamin, <laughs> Robbie. Let's go. Let's go. Um, <laughs> no, nah, forget about it, cuz. Um, what I want to ask you is Fast and Furious, huge cast, yeah. huge ensemble, heist, whatever type of movie. I don't know what they're boosting nowadays. They started with DVD players. I don't know. But right. out of that whole crew, who would be the best sports better? Oh, man. Okay, that's a great question. You're going to have to give me a think. Well, well, no, no, wait, hold on. I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody real quick. All right, do we have to go with what? What? what what's my restrictions on, on who I can pick here? Oh, full. I'll. I'll. Because I mean, like, I'll... I mean, like old, like Charlize Theron in these recent movies is like a damn like crazy hacker. Like I'm sure she's got. She. Was, I'm sure she would have her great own algorithms going for every sport. She would out have there the best betting models. But that's a crappy answer. 
let's go old, let's go old school on it. And I'm going okay. back to Jesse in the first one who had that Ooh. MIT education. Yep. And, you know, Paul Walker was blown away. R.I.P. Jesse. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> R.I.P. Jesse and Paul Walker. Uh, you, know, that, you know, Paul Walker was amazed. And how he was able to work on these cars. And, yeah. you know, it was just that ADD got to it at MIT. Yeah. And I think we just got him on some medication, you know, threw, him, <laughs> threw a bunch of sports betting stuff in front of him. Jesse would have killed that. So that's yes. my answer. He narrowed him in. Okay, now the opposite. Who would have just been the most degenerate, worst gambler out of the group? Oh, uh, clearly um, uh, Vitz. Clearly Vitz. Oh. <laughs> Wait, am I getting his name right? Yeah, Vitz, right? Uh, from the first movie? Mo- yeah, muscled out guy. He comes back yeah, in, the, yeah. in the fifth one. He's living in Brazil. Yep. Why, why does that name yeah, sound yeah. weird? Yeah. No, I'm Vince. just thinking Entourage now. That's why it's like I'm just thinking no. Vince from Entourage. <laughs> no, not Vinny Chase. But yeah, yeah. No, but Vinny Vince. Chase. Yeah, that, no, no, no. that guy Vince. never stood a chance. He got left nah, behind, he, right? He got left behind, came back in the fifth one, ended up in Brazil somehow. He always knew he somehow. was a cop, though. He, he was <laughs> the only one that knew he was a cop. Ah, well, see, that's where he'd have a good – so maybe he'd have a good read at the poker table, but I don't know that that's going to help him in, in sports betting too much. But, uh, my yeah, answer would have been – uh, My answer would have probably what was been your Tyrese answer? as the worst better. Uh, Roman Pierce? Yeah, he's he's out there. He's, uh, but he he's, just he's, like but we're, we're on the same line of thinking, though, because these guys have just been lifelong losers until they ran into uh, uh, Dom and uh, Dominic uh, Bryant. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, it, sometimes good timing in life, man. You just got to meet the right people at the right time. Now, it's really just the story of Fast and the Furious and all of us great better. So you can combine this all into one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Kelly. I appreciate you coming on. Um, and man, I can't, I can't say thanks enough. I had a blast learning about you, learning from you too. I mean, there's so many insights in there that, I mean, I can apply to my own betting as well. It's just, so plug and play. Thank you so much. Um, I'll catch you next time, man. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. One last time, I want to say thank you to Kelly Bidlin for coming on. You'll be able to find links to everything he does down below in the description. And man, I just got to remind you, Kelly, I'll always know more about Fast and Furious than you. That's a bet I'm willing to make. But thank you for coming on anyways. And thank you guys for listening. Make sure you follow, subscribe. There's links to everything down below. Check me out on Twitter at TheRobbio. Follow the podcast. There's more interviews coming up. And there's going to be great people to get to know behind the bets. So thank you once again from a better mind.